Welcome to the Fordham IPLJ podcast with your online editor, Anthony Zangrillo. This week, I'm here with special guest, Maximilian Kempf. And we're going to be talking about David Carboni versus CNN. So, Max, you want to introduce this a little bit? Sure. It's a pleasure being here. So David Carbone is the chief executive of West Palm Beach, Florida, um, St. Mary's Medical Center. And um, he was approached by CNN because they wanted to ask him about um, the infant mortality rate for open heart surgery being three times larger than the national average. And um, he refused to comment. So um, there was a defamation case between him and the news network. Because um, so he brought a defamation yeah. suit against uh, yes. CNN. Yes, that's correct. And since Georgia has something which is called the anti-slap legislation, anti-strategic lawsuit against public participation, mm-hmm. um, and that's a form of legal intimidation on their part, on the news network's part. And the statute, let's say, was made in order to present, prevent like some frivolous lawsuits. Right. Uh, companies were feeling like uh, they were litigating these suits that were frivolous and had no factual basis, using the Constitution as their um, stronghold. So in, in this particular case, right, the judge implemented a plausibility standard versus, rather than the higher burden of the probability standard, right. right? Yes, and that's correct. And that's why I think this case is going to set some kind of legal precedent because it'll create, you know, less um, hurdles for um, other lawsuits such as, you know, people um, suing for stolen scripts and privacy violations. Yes, so it's interesting when you look at stolen scripts. So. Let's lay out the parties here. You probably would have a plaintiff being a screenwriter, you know, that either worked for the movie studio or maybe had no connection whatsoever. And you have the motion picture, you know, studio and like saying, oh, he's lying. We didn't steal his script. Right now. What was interesting in the Carboni case was the MPAA, right? Motion Picture Association of America wrote an amicus brief. Right. And they're basically saying that they would want the probability standard because the plausibility standard would allow maybe some of these screenwriters that have frivolous suits to get through. And um, I mean, what, what's your take on that from, you could say, from a law and economic standpoint or just in general? What side would you lean on? Who's correct here? Right. So um, I think that the ruling seems to be... Um, in the favor of the plaintiff, and I agree that um, the probability standard is um, a better. Um... Well, let's look at it from like a macro level. You know, you don't have to worry about the plausibility probability standard. What side do you think there's a legitimate like policy argument that it's going to cause too much litigation costs for the movie studios? Oh, yeah. That if they have to every single, like, how many, I would want to know first from the movie studios, how many times does this alleged claim happen? Right, and I can imagine it happens, you know, regularly, and I don't think that, you know, it would be beneficial for, you know, it would be beneficial for both parties to have less expenses, you know, I mean, you know, the the, the writers wouldn't want to be, you know, cashing out, you know, for lawyers, for frivolous lawsuits, and the studios won't want to lose 
income and revenue either. So, um, yeah, and, and um, this reason why usually I would be in favor of the slap uh, statutes yes. and say see it as that if you can't, um, let's say, meet this burden, it's not probability is not the stringent stringest burden in the world. Plausibility is very low. So basically now I could see the argument on the other side looking at what Judge uh, Rinda Evans was probably thinking of is that maybe some of these parties, they don't have as much access to the facts. They need discovery yes. rather than, let's say, like CNN can get this information. They have the information and they ha have it probably behind safeguards. And it's hard to tell. Like, we don't know. Was it malicious intent? Right. No, we don't know. Were they tampering with the facts? Was it false reporting? Where was the statistic? Where did they get it from? How did they come up with it? The uh, infant mortality rate that they were trying to allege with right. the hospital. And it's like, do the, should we give them discovery? Is it an idea that we don't want the slaps, let's say procedural burdens, to get in the way of the substantive uh, that, in this case, uh, the doctor had? As opposed to, it's the same idea with a screenwriter. And he feels like it pro probably was stolen or the elements were taken and switched up a little bit. Maybe he's entitled to discovery, right? And you could still dismiss the case later on, but is it going to be so onerous? I agree that there needs to be more discovery because we don't really know all the facts of how CNN received their information. All we know is that Carbone refused to give them comment. And we can only assume that they approached someone else in the hospital to get their facts or other people in the town community. And um, so I am in favor of the plaintiff and in the anti-slap legislation. And it's also worth noting that um, New York State, um, besides Georgia, mm -hmm. um, there are 28 states nationally that have enacted this legislation. But I think the appellate courts now are also ruling now about whether or not um, federal issues can be ruled in state court. And if you want to comment on that. So I would say one thing, do you feel like there's too much inconsistency with the law that is it better to have possibly a federal statute rather than each individual state having these claims? I mean, I understand that um, certain issues can be brought on a state-by-state -state basis, and I'm for that. I mean, certain issues, though, um, should be addressed more on a national level. Um, I don't have that much expertise to know mm -hmm. specifically about this, but I feel that, you know, the entertainment industry is, you know, a national and a global phenomenon. So perhaps it could be, you know, a national issue. I mean, I know he's, you know, as a physician, you know, he, you know, that's, you know, something to the interest of, you know, all society and health, you know, health concerns are issues that everyone should be aware about. So now there was something interesting here that Georgia classified Carboni as a limited public official. Right. So basically because he's a public official, now he has to prove actual malice. Yes. Right. Um... And what do you see as that compared to that private figures against media defendants do not have to prove this intent standard? Um, in my 
I think it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're a public official because you have more scrutiny. Um, because we're in New York, I mean, we don't really know. I've never heard of him before. Um, but, you know, it would be different, you know, if I was in the Florida community and I viewed him as a figure. Um, I mean, I can only assume that, like, um, the only parallels I can make are, you know, they're, you know, local politicians, they're, like, in the public eye. So, um their comments and everything are, you know, under more scrutiny. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, he has to be more careful about what he says and how he goes along with his case. And it, it's interesting, though, that you feel like you should be able to ascertain whether he had actual any damage to his, um, you know, community reputation. Right. Even though you're right, like, we wouldn't know that. Right. But I feel like the judge, I mean, again, you would have to take more discovery, right? Yes, to prove this. more discovery. But it is definitely able to be proven, I would imagine. Right. If there was actually any reputation, ha reputational harms right. and um, I guess done that to him. And I guess that would probably entail, you know, phone conversations or email correspondences. And I mean, you know, obviously, um, you know, I believe that, you know, he, you know, he lost his job. I mean, I don't know what the circumstance of him losing his job are. There needs to be more of an investigation. But here's the thing that ties back to it. So is it malicious intent if CNN basically didn't want to harm him, right? We know this, right? There's no... All right, fine. We won't say that we know definitively. But I highly doubt CNN cares about ruining this guy's career. Right, they're probably doing it for ratings. It's something like a headline. Okay. So, is it malicious if they didn't do all of their research, found one statistic, and then went with it? Would you say that's malicious? Um, not. Or is that just like grossly negligent? I would probably view it more as grossly negligent. I feel that you know news outlets, um need to always um, vet their sources and they always mm -hmm. have to have, um, from my experience working in the radio, um, you always have to have, you know, two sources, you know, like to claim, you know, to validate the sources before you publish. So I don't know, because um, I haven't worked at CNN, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but hopefully um, they did due diligence and, you know, got, you know, validation from another source. Mm -hmm. And so... And I would agree with this, right? If it's, let's say, they tampered with the story and they knew without a doubt that it wasn't true, oh, it was a fake news, right? If it was something like that, then is it malicious? Yeah, if, if they had, you know, yeah. You would say definitely that he would have no problem then proving. Because you would, at first, when you first hear about it, you'd say, oh, he has to prove malicious intent. Yes. That could be very hard for, you know, even though he's a public official, he probably has limited resources compared to, you know, this uh, monopoly news power, right? Like mm -hmm. CNN or something like that. And now we live in like this age, right? Of the spray fake news being spread all over the place, yes. right? That so many people are not fully checking their sources, right? Right. Um, and it's always hard these days just to determine what's really news. I mean, what's really authentic. So I always even, you know, try to confirm from another site that it's at least true. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, th that's just the time that we're living in right now. Yes, and this is the whole thing with, uh, you know, our current president, uh, Donald Trump, that he was 
implying throughout the campaign that he was going to, like, let's say, lessen some of the um, the slap statutes. He didn't, I don't think he ever said it directly, but he implied it because he was saying he was going to bring these defamation claims against certain news organizations, okay. right, throughout the campaign trail. And, you know, the famous, uh, let's say, BuzzFeed uh, shower leak, let's just say that, right, that CNN reported on without really verifying the sources, and which led to the uh, infamous, one of my favorite press conferences, where Donald Trump just goes straight to uh, CNN and goes, you are fake news. Um, is, is this lawsuit surprising that it's actually kind of um, lining up with the narrative that Trump was providing throughout the campaign trail? that you're going to see now more defamation suits rather than this um, gatekeeper statute keeping them out. The anti-slap protections are not really um, in place. All right. I think I can agree that there is, you know, a, a trend now on terms of, you know, there's more, you know, defamation suits, you know, being brought. Um, and, you know, there's going to be more... Um, Possibly due to this fake news, um, people might be claiming plaintiffs might be might be claiming um, fake news as motivation. Um, so that will probably require a lot more investigation on both legal sides, you know, mm -hmm. um, to see what both parties' intentions and motivations were. Um, you know, because people might just be noticing, you know, that. I mean, if our commander-in-chief is, you know, mentioning fake news, maybe people are going to just want to, you know, use that terminology to make face false claims. But mm -hmm. um, we also still have to scrutinize the media and where we get our sources and how they report. So there is possibly some validity to these claims. We have to just take everything on a case-by-case -case basis. And you say you have to look at it from like a case-by-case -case basis. So let's think of, let's use some terminology that's been dominating the news cycle recently. The difference between fake news and alternative facts, right? So we could just say alternative facts is not real at all and it's totally ludicrous. But, and I think the way the Trump administration uses it probably is, but I see there could be a way in how you frame certain facts that you're not actually, let's say, rising to a defamation falsehood. You're just leading your audience in a certain way based on some factual, like, you know, standard. But at the same time, it's not, it's very misleading, right? Um, so is it almost like an intent that does the party, is the party trying to do this? Or does, is, does the party actually believe, let's say, in this alternative fact. So I think an interesting one that could be an innocent falsehood was uh, if you saw from All-Star Weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend, Kyrie Irving was being interviewed and he is a person that believes that the earth is flat, right? So now we took, you know, I guess elementary school science probably, right. that we know the earth is spherical. It's not flat, but He's coming from more, I think, a conspiracy theory uh, angle, and he's saying, like, I just don't trust what people are telling me, what maybe, like, government or authority figures are t saying to me. 
and it dominated that weekend. And I think, you know, there's a part of me that wants to believe he's doing this as like a Trump kind of taking the media circus and flipping it on its head. That, look, I could say something like this, and now everybody, this is All-Star Weekend, is going to report on me saying the earth is flat, and I can play with you guys. Part of me hopes that's true. I don't think it is. But um, it, it's an interesting idea. Is that wrong? Because we know it's a falsehood, right? But does he know it? Is it this individual like intent standard that we would go by? Or is it just like, how would you look at this basis of his statement? Well, his statement, if you know he actually intended what he said, I mean... We don't know who his listeners are, so if there were small children listening um, and, you know, elementary school children and they're thinking, you know, they're learning, you know, about geography and they start thinking, you know, um, that the world is flat, that is, you know, detrimental to their education. Um, and hopefully, you know, their parents will correct them. Yes. Um, but basically, we don't... Um, it, it seems to be that these, um, you know, whether or not, you know, fake news needs to be copyrightable under the First Amendment um, uh, or protectable. Protected, protectable, you know, yeah. If, yeah if, any, if it can be, you know, protected under the First Amendment. Probably not do copyright, but like, not, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, is more with regards to um, public safety, public concerns. Mm. So someone can't just claim, you know, you know, make up, you know, a terrorist attack or say that, you know, there's a bombing in the subway because that is, you know, harmful to the public. Yes. Um, but, you know, people but, in terms of like what we mentioned before, conspiracy theorists and stuff, we usually know like if someone is like ranting and raving that they saw UFOs and, you know, like there's been like an alien abduction or something, you don't really take those people seriously. So we have to just use our own, you know, judgment, you know, and you know, we're all rational people. I mean, we can all, you know, determine, you know, usually we can determine what's, you know, fact from fiction. Even sometimes we have to do a little bit of discovery work, you know, trying to confirm our facts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if something's happening, you know, at that moment, you know, it's, you know, if a claim is made at that moment, sometimes, you know, people do drastic things because they want that form of validation. Yes. I mean, we looked at that Pizzagate example that happened back in October of last year, 2016. Um, I, I, I don't really know much about, you know, the, the person's background. If the person was, you know, mentally ill, um, mentally unstable before. But, I mean, there was, you know, like, you know, he perceived that there was like a threat, you know. Um, yes. And he went, you know, um, trying to investigate. So I think that, I mean, the fact that he didn't, you know, um, shoot anyone, he didn't do anything there shows that at least um, he was somewhat rational. I mean, after he did his investigation, mm -hmm. uh, maybe like, uh, you know, maybe he didn't do it in the right way, you know, bring in a weapon. Maybe he should have just called, you know, and just, you know, tried to investigate through other means. Like maybe he could have pretended to be like a reporter or a journalist or something and go undercover in a different way. So the means in which he did it might have been wrong, would, would have been wrong. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I mean I think we're still somewhat in defamation, but kind of like went past it a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting because we live in this like you know fake news society yeah, now, which is that's very troubling. To, I don't know what that means, but yeah. you know one of my favorite NBA legends, right, Charles Barkley. Okay. He has the famous quote that he goes, "I'm not a role model, right? Like you know kids shouldn't be following what I'm doing." So, because you're saying right. It depends on, let's say we see somebody that's a conspiracy theorist, like one of my favorite former public officials, Jesse Ventura, okay. when he was, uh, I think, governor of Minnesota. And um, like he, let's say an example with that is, right, he's proven, right, he had a show about conspiracy theory and all that stuff. So you're going to take everything he says with like a little bit of brain of salt. Now, NBA players, right, are they role models? Like what you were saying, like, because we do know kids are going to, like, listen to them and stuff like that. But should they be? Are they on this standard that if they're putting these falsehoods out there? So I think the earth is flat is a bad example, but they could say things, like, about public officials. They could have, let's say, um, not Dwayne Wade anymore because he's no longer in Florida, but let's say, like, Hassan Whiteside. He was doing an interview, right? And all of a sudden, he's the one that made this statistic, right, in a post-game interview, about the West Palm Beach uh, doctor. Okay. Is this now all of a sudden, did he defame him? Because we know Hassan Whiteside does have that kind of backing, right? You, you know, it, it's an interesting, and I think you, uh, what you said, you know, before, that it is on a case-by-case -case basis, these um, different instances of, like, harms, and is it a viable lawsuit? Should we have the anti-slap statute kick in? And just say that it's frivolous and keep it away from the courts, or if we should allow it to go further and have discovery. I think it really depends on who is the one making the statement. So you know, circling back to this case, CNN, you would hope, right, has this that like what they're reporting is is vetted. You know, like just like how we do on Fort of My PLJ podcast, right, that we vet the statements. And that it's all true and that it's not factually dishonest and it's, you know, at least some sort of um, believability, that it's not totally ludicrous. And if it was, then you know what? We should have further discovery and there was an afflicted party that has a First Amendment right to continue uh, this lawsuit is where I would probably uh, stand on this issue. Sure. Um so with regards to celebrities making statements, um, um, you know, certain, I mean, we are a very materialistic, you know, society. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, who we use as role models. I mean, I still think that, you know, children should, you know, look more to um, maybe government officials or, you know, scientists or other people more as role models rather than, you know, celebrities like actors or um you know, sports stars instead, you know, like yes. at least, I mean, it'll at least give them some kind of academic, you know, so you're training saying... in terms of people to look up to. I mean, obviously politicians, you know, are corrupt as well. I mean, so I'm not saying to emulate their behavior. I'm just, you heard it here first. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, um, you know, maybe to emulate more like a scientist or someone else, because at least it gives them some kind of academic path, maybe to achieve, to aspire to. Um, but in terms of going back to celebrities, if there should be like good role models, it really, again, it's again, like a case by case basis, but I would say maybe to see, um, to, 
rather than focusing on their career, you know, like um, and the movies and stuff they've been in, to focus more about um, maybe the charities or their organizational mm -hmm. work, yes. what they do in terms of that, in terms of their philanthropy, to see, you know, um, whether or not, you know, these celebrities do it, um, if they have altruistic means, I mean, to wanting to do it, to put themselves further in the spotlight, we can't really know because we haven't had, you know, we haven't, you know, met them and had, you know, experience with them. Um, but hopefully, you know, their intent is, you know, genuine and we can at least understand another side of them based on their philanthropic work. So in terms of that, I would say you should emulate that in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. them being considered role models. Say that. And then also, so politicians are role models. You're basically saying Donald Trump is your role model. I mean... <laughs> Don't have to answer that. Don't worry about it. I just, I, I just wanted to make a funny joke there. But um, what was it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very concerned by uh, the Kim Kardashian obsessed society that we live in. So I totally agree with you that, with that. And I do think it is more important to focus on, let's say, some of their altruistic uh, measures. And, you know, uh, look, let's look at even it's interesting, right? Uh, we're recording this the week after the Oscars. So, you know, La La Land, I think has the protagonists are, you know, in my opinion, right, very self-absorbed people, you know, that they do, they're, I think they're products of, let's say, the millennial generation, not Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, just their characters within the film. And I think that's what, why I liked it a lot, that they're not role models, even though some people probably think they are. That is, I think, the inside joke with it. Um, and you compare that film, let's say, with like a movie like Moonlight, you know, I, have you seen uh, yeah, these I've seen films? Both of them, yeah. That I thought Moonlight probably had um, a better uh, message overall, and the characters were more like very unique and interesting. And they could, like, let's say the protagonist of Moonlight, maybe you could say, was a role model. You know, it is a very interesting and hard life that he went through. But that um, is probably something that I think has more let's say, merit for society, maybe that film. Even though, you know, I'm coming from a movie critic's perspective, I probably thought, even though the Academy didn't agree with me, that La La Land was a better film, I think Moonlight probably had a better message. No, I agree If you with see that. what I'm saying. I, I guess, uh, yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, now, you know, that that was crazy what happened, that yeah. La La Land won, but then they gave it, you know, the moon. Not, La La Land didn't win, it was just announced that they won. Uh, that it's very... Uh, you know, encouraging that the industry is pushing, let's say, a movie like Moonlight won, you know, Best Academy Award and picked up a couple of Oscars, actually, right? Best uh, Original Screen? No, was it Adapted Screenplay? Best Adapted Screenplay. And, and, um, and what is it? Yes, and then Mashallah Best Picture. Ali? Yes, Mashallah Ali won Best Supporting Actor. Uh, and that's great to see a movie like that, you know, get the backing uh, from society. So I think, you know, we're moving in the right direction. That, uh, like... Society's role models are, you know, possibly changing in a good way. Sure. And you know what? This yeah. is very, we covered a lot on this podcast. And I like this. You That's know, good. We went from like straight legal analysis into more current events. I mean, current events. Uh, what is it? Oscars, role models. You know, I like this a lot. But thank you so much for joining me, uh, Max, this week. And um, hope to have you on again in the future. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for having me. All right. See you. See everybody uh, next week.